0: Coming to you on Friday morning, this is First in 10, a Tennessee Titans podcast from the Nashville Post. I'm Post sports reporter Michael Gallagher. Joining me today is our intern Austin Wright, and a man who kind of helped me get my start in sports journalism. I interned with him back in 2015, took over his job once he left for, for the better job that he has now. Uh, David Beauclair, he covers the Tennessee Titans for Sports Illustrated. David, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, it's always a pleasure, Michael. <laughs>
0: Given where we were last year, I'm sure I'm sure you're thrilled to, to actually have some stuff to talk about. Training camp looks looks a little bit different than it did last year when we didn't really know what was gonna what was gonna be going on. Um, I think the the thing that most most fans are interested in this year is just all the different position battles. It feels like there's more there's more competition for different positions this year than the, much more than there were were last year. I think tight end, right tackle corner kicker those are at least four positions where we don't know who the starter is right now and then you have backup quarterback backup pass rushers the number four receiver I mean there's just there's so much competition heading into training camp so I want to get your guys take on which position battle Austin we kind of touched on this in the last podcast which position battle do you think is most intriguing which position battle do you think is the the most important for the Titans heading into this training camp David we'll start with you and Austin you can kind of jump in
1: you know the, the right tackle obviously because of what they've gone through the last couple of years and and because of what the uh you know what you have in terms of the offense with the run game and and how important the offensive line is going to be that's you know that that's that's sort of the most important one to me and it, and it's also the the sort of the least dramatic right now I, I think uh i think kendall lamb has that job right now and and is, is going to have to sort of play his way out of it in the preseason in, in order to not be the starter in week one. Um, you know, Ty Sambraio is a guy who was who was signed last year to be the swing tackle, ended up starting five games at left tackle. I think they feel really good about him, sort of as that swing tackle again. And then, of course, you got the second-round pick in Dylan Radens, who uh, you know. Is, is sort of the long-term answer there, but, but based on what they did with him throughout the OTAs and mini camps, where they, they worked him at guard on both sides, they worked him at tackle, they're moving him around. To me, that, that doesn't say this is a guy we're putting on the fast track to be the right tackle. They, this, this is a guy they just want, they just want to get as much experience as possible. He'll probably do the same thing in the preseason and, and sort of, sort of go into, go into the regular season as, as a guy that then they want to, they, they want to just have available if they need him. And, and then the, the the sort of the the caveat for Kendall lamb is don't get hurt because if you get hurt, and you're going to miss three games. Then they're going to plug Raiden's in, and you're not going to get that job back at that point. So, uh, so I, that that that's how I see that one playing out. And then the the cornerbacks are really interesting to me because we know who they are. It's just how do they fit together? You know, Jack Rabbit Jenkins is obviously the number one guy. Is Christian Fulton uh, a number two guy who moves into the slot, or is he strictly an outside guy now with Elijah Molden in the slot? You know, where does Caleb Farley fit in? Is Caleb Farley going to be able to to practice and play right out of the gate? That That's, that's going to be – that's the one that's going to be really intriguing to me going into camp.
2: Yeah, and I <clears> – <throat> For me, I, I would think that the kickers' battle is really going to be something to look forward to for the Titans this offseason with Stephen Goskowski. He did all right last season with him nailing 10 of his last 11 kicks for the uh, Tennessee squad. But, I mean, they're really going to have to find someone else for next season because they've had Tucker McCann and Blake Hobiel I might be saying that wrong. But they've been having them uh, battling it out for this offseason to see who can get that position on track but for me i i think that that's going to be one of the most important parts of this offseason as the titans are going to need to find someone that's a little bit more successful and more consistent on the for the kicking game overall
1: yeah it, it's i you can see why they'd like to go cheap at kicker if possible uh, given all the money they're spending elsewhere on the roster and 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 obviously they they like McCann to a certain degree having had him on the on the practice squad or, or you know on the team that, to some degree all of last year I watched him I watched him pretty closely during the couple of days of mini camp that we were out there and he has a uh, he has a real easy sort of low stress, kicking style, like, you know, he, he's not a guy who sort of marks off every half inch and has to be, you know, exactly right, which I, which I think is a, a good thing that way. He, he doesn't look like it's, you know, he, he has to put everything he has into kicking the ball. But uh, but I also didn't see the consistency in, in his kicks that uh, that would make a coach and a general manager sleep well at night. So I, I'm I'm guessing the, the Titans week one kicker is not on this roster at the moment.
0: Yeah. It's interesting looking at kicker because it's who would have thought we would be here after the last two years talking about kicker, possibly being one of the the two or three most important position battles heading into training camp. But Steven Goskowski, he, he finished well down the stretch, but he was a dumpster fire last year. And then the year before that, I mean, making only 44% of your kicks as a team, the Titans definitely need to solidify that. And, and looking at it, Tucker McCann and, and Blake, how, how bell, I don't know how you say his name. Um, they're both, if you look at their stats in college, they both struggled with an accuracy like you're talking about, David. And I think that's that's something that if you go with just the two on the roster right now, I would give the slight edge to McCann just because he's been here for the last year. Um, he's, he's been with the team. He's, he's had some work, uh, you know, on the on the practice squad. But yeah, I think you could be right. I think it's entirely possible we might be looking at the Titans week one kicker being a free agent. They signed, you know, in training camp, Maybe maybe there's a, a surprise cut heading into the beginning of the season, because both McCann and Hybel, they both struggle with their accuracy. Highball is almost automatic on extra points, and maybe that plays a little bit into his favor, because if you're the Titans, every point you can get is, is crucial, considering how many points you left on the board last, last year. But I, I, I'm not really sold on McCann or Hybel at this point. The one thing they both do have playing into their favor is they both have strong legs. They both have made several kicks you know, of 50 yards or more. McCann had a couple last year, I think which is why they kept him on the practice squad is because he was regularly kicking 52 53 yarders during training camp but that i think that is a battle to watch for and it it could be interesting that they could go with one of them they could keep both of them or they could just get rid of both of them and bring in a new like there's literally we don't know what's going to happen at that position
1: yeah i i I just i just don't see it as given what you have on the defense and the fact that you know you you're probably not going to be I think you're going to have to win a lot of close games like you did last year. I, I don't think you can afford to go through growing pains with a kicker during the early part of this season, particularly with with the way the schedule is through the first six or seven games. I just I just don't I just don't see John Robinson and Mike Vrabel ultimately saying, you know what, we're OK. I mean, another thing you like about McCann, too, is that he did some punting in college. And in a pinch, if something happens to Brett Kern, you know he could do that for you, but I, but I just, I, I think whether it's Guskowski, whether it's somebody else who gets cut, some, you know, from another team somewhere, I just, I just think there's going to be a veteran guy in here by week one, and uh, and you know, they're going to have to hope it turns out better than things did in 2019 when they were, when they were bringing through a parade of veterans.
0: Yeah, and I think to, to touching on the cornerbacks too, like you said, David, we, we know who the guys are, we just don't know where they're going to fit in. Denoris Jenkins right now seems like he's going to be the team's number one cornerback, but they they took Caleb Farley really high. John Robinson's kind of, you know, he showed he's not afraid to take a chance on a, on a talented player who should be a top 10, top 15 pick that slides because of injury concerns. The question is, we don't know how healthy Caleb Farley is. And of course, if you ask him, he's going to tell you he's fine. But there was a reason he wasn't on the field during, during minicamp and during OTAs. You just kind of wonder how far along he is from being able to, to slide into a full time role. You have Christian Fulton, who, who last year he played well in limited time, but because of injuries and his stint on the COVID list, he didn't play as much as he probably would have liked or the coaches would have liked. And then you have Elijah Molden, Breon Borders, Greg Mabin, Quentin Meeks, a, a list of who's who of, of journeyman cornerbacks. Just kind of, it's interesting trying to figure out where they slotted because it makes sense to have Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton both on the outside. And then maybe you kind of ease Caleb Farley and, and you put Elijah Molden in the slot, because to me, he's the most intriguing person out of the, that group because he played 74% of his pat, of his protection in the slot in, in college. And I do think he's someone who can be that, that kind of hybrid safety corner role, maybe if Imani Hooker struggles, he can slide over and play safety a little bit. But I think Elijah Molden probably will see the field before Caleb Farley does. And I think he could factor in early on it and maybe take on a, a big time role early on for the Titans.
1: Yeah, and there's questions about Moulton's health too. I mean, he was not out on the field during OTA's mini camps and and everybody was sort of vague about what was going on with him. You know, Mike Mike Rabel wouldn't even say that he was dealing with an injury. You know, he said something to the effect of you know, just because a guy's not out there doesn't mean he's hurt. So you you know, you don't know you don't know what, what that means. But uh, it, it will be a young group. Breon Borders, you mentioned, is sort of the is sort of the, I guess, the safety net, if you will, a guy who who surprised, earned some playing time last year, before he got hurt, and a guy who, if nothing else, is going to compete really hard. And uh, uh, you know, he, he's he's a guy who who sort of gives you a gives you a backup sort of at every spot if you if you need to, if you need to go that far down the depth chart.
2: And with Janoris Jenkins being on the team, I think he's going to be able to have a good veteran presence for these younger guys with Kayla Farley and Elijah Molden. But with his quality of play, I mean, Pro Football Focus had him listed down as uh, number 27 on the cornerbacks in the league right now. And I think that might be a little bit too low. And I think that he can have a season that uh, to be able to play outside of those uh, selections so far. And with these young guys, I think he may be able to have a way of showing them a little bit more leadership and trying to build them and mold them a little bit earlier on here this off season. But there still will be a big battle to decide who the Titans should uh, be able to have as their known starters for this offseason. I think that Caleb Farley could be a good solution for the Titans, but that still remains to be seen. With a lot of practice still left to go here in the off season.
1: Yeah, the question with Jenkins is he's thirty two years old, you know, and and you you see it with cornerbacks even more so than than you do with running backs. Almost that there's you know there's not a slow decline with those guys. They just fall off the cliff at some point. And uh, you know we we saw it with Jonathan Joseph last year. That that did not work out at all the way the Titans wanted to. What you know the good news is what you've seen from Jenkins during the off season, is a guy who is hyper competitive. A guy who, uh, and, and when I say that, I mean like he's breaking up passes, doing everything he can to break up passes in workouts in in May and June, which, uh, which. I haven't seen a lot of from titans defensive backs over the last couple of years i've seen i've seen a lot of guys running with a receiver and then as the ball approaches he pulls up lets the receiver catch the ball and saying yeah okay i was in position i would make that play in a game or you you break on a ball take a step or two stop let the receiver catch the ball saying no i was there you know that that's not the way jenkins does it in practice jenkins is Jenkins is diving for balls. He's going shoulder to shoulder with receivers, trying to break up passes. And for a uh, for a pass defense that uh, that that was that was, I guess what you can say, struggled, generously speaking, you know, a, a lot of last year, and, and is sort of in need of a new identity. I think Jenkins uh, Jenkins can provide a lot of that through his uh, through his practice habits, and, and if he can play, you know, kind of the way he's played throughout most of his career.
0: Yeah, i think you both raise interesting points uh talking about how, how competitive he is and just the things he does in practice um i do think that that'll be good for the younger guys like a christian fulton a caleb farley elijah molden to to see if, you, if you're standing there and you're a rookie or you're a first or second year guy and you see this 32 year old dude running around doing stuff that you're not that that makes you take a long hard look at yourself and be like well if he's 32 and he's been doing this for years he probably doesn't have that, that many more years left. If he can do that, why can't I do that? I'm still in my early 20s. I should be able to, to go and do the things he's doing too. So I think it does set a good example, and it does give that little internal competition too because none of these young guys, you, you can say, probably want to be, be beaten out by someone like Janoris Jenkins, who's 32. And it's also interesting too that they signed him because if you're worried about Malcolm Butler, who I think turned 30 or just turned 30 last year, if you're worried about, about him and his production declining, obviously he was making a lot more money than they're paying Norris Jenkins. But if you're worried about his production declining and he's he's a year or two younger than Jenkins, it's curious that you would go out and sign someone like him. But I think to your point, Austin, it does bring in that veteran presence because if you don't have him, you're looking at Christian Fulton leading a group of, of rookies in, in first and second year guys, maybe Breon Borders, probably the oldest guy in that group outside of Janoris Jenkins. So I do think that it's it's kind of a twofold signing. You, you bring in that veteran presence to kind of stabilize that group. And you also bring in someone who sets the right example, who sets the bar of this is what you should be doing if you want to win a, win a starting job on this team. And I think one more thing, sorry, I'm trying to pull my notes up here. One more yeah. thing I wanna talk about as far as the position battles go. The one that I think is the most intriguing to me after I was doing some research for this is the battle for the, the number four wide receiver. It's kind of presumed Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, the top two, Josh Reynolds will probably be the number three guy. But the number, the number four receiver job on this team, we, we've heard the Titans coaches are really high on Nick Westbrook Akeem for whatever reason. We haven't seen him very often. He, he played very limited last year. Um, he was kind of relegated to the practice squad for much of the season. They drafted Des Fitzpatrick, who they're also really high on. Cameron Batson played really well in spots last year. Cody Hollister's kind of been around a couple of years. I, I do think that number four receiver job is is very much up for grabs. I think Nick westbrook akeem would probably be the favorite for that job, but from everything that we're hearing from the Titans' coaches, Des Fitzpatrick has every as every of every chance of taking that taking that job as well.
1: Yeah, you say Westbrook Akine was on the practice squad, but he's a guy who a lot of times got the game day promotion. Ended up playing in every game last year. Made some catches, you know, made the catch on the fake punt that that Logan Woodside threw to him last year. Actually, can't you know, is a big body, does some of the things they like in the in the run game in terms of the blocking downfield. But uh, but he is a he is an undrafted guy, and and he's gonna have to he's gonna have to fight for his spot again. You don't you don't trade up. 17 spots in the draft to take des fitzpatrick and not plan to have him on your roster i don't think there's any question that uh that fitzpatrick is is in the number four spot right now and then it's a question of uh of westbrook Akiné, it's it's cameron batson it's you know there, there's two veteran guys in in chester rogers who has 111 career receptions marcus johnson who has 42 career receptions both of them have played a bunch of games for the Colts over the years. So they're guys that the, the Titans have seen and know well. They, uh, you know, they're in the mix too. Johnson in, in particular, I think, is a guy who had coaches talking a bit this off season. Batson, you know, Batson is the, the thing he has going for him is is Batson is is the primary return man now with Khalif Raymond gone. He's a he's a guy that that Mike Vrabel in particular has talked repeatedly over the years about his toughness, that, that he really likes Cameron Batson's toughness. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think he has the inside spot for a job there. But he's he sort of is going to have to hold off Mason Kinsey. You know, the uh, Mason Kinsey is going to be one of the darlings of the preseason because you know he's he's a division three guy who didn't get a chance to to play in any preseason games last year because there were no preseason games you know he he there's no question about his speed there's there's no question about his athleticism but coming from a d3 program the question is can he compete and can he make plays against nfl guys who the majority of whom are coming from d1 power five programs i mean he's a he's a guy who's going to get a ton of playing time in the preseason, and uh, and could potentially threaten Cam Batson for that particular spot there at, at the you know the number four or five, however you however you want to look at it. So uh, that there, there's there's a lot there's a lot of guys there that uh, that are going to have to sort themselves out, and and it's almost they're sorting themselves out for positions on the depth chart to be the next guy in line. When somebody gets hurt, because I, I think uh, I, you know, there's there's just not a lot of snaps, a lot of playing time to go around there with the wide receivers.
2: And yeah, I would <clears throat> I would add on to that. That's true. There there really is not not really much room for error for a lot of these receivers that are on the Titans' core. With and with Marcus Johnson, like you mentioned, David, um, he, he could be a favorite to be one of the four spots just for the fact that he's been with the Colts. He knows the AFC South. He's already been through that and he could have a very good uh, also veteran leadership spot uh, to be able to train and mold all the younger guys that are still going to be on the team with uh, even the 2021 pick uh, Racy McMath out of LSU. He could be a guy that could be under the spot for the Titans as well, being able to play on their special teams because that's what he did at LSU as well. So he could also maybe not have to make the receiver crew, but he could find a way onto the special team spot and make an impact there as well in the offseason. But just some of those guys like Marcus Johnson would be interesting to look at since he's already had experience in Westbrook-Akine. He could be, like you said, a, a valuable asset just for the fact that he's been a very versatile receiver and could be one of the better acquisitions for the titans this offseason
1: yeah M- mcmath you know he has a leg up because he's a draft pick right they they don't they don't draft you with the idea well we'll take a look at him and if we don't like him we'll cut him i mean you, there's something you really like about him you want him on the team but i i don't think to your point Austin, he's not competing for a wide receiver spot this year he's competing with you know, the fifth or sixth linebacker and the fifth or sixth defensive back or whatever, you know, for a special team spot. He he's gonna have to he's sort of he's gonna sort of have to make his way into the NFL the same way he did at LSU, which is play special teams and grow from there. And and he you know, he doesn't have big stats as a receiver, but last year he was playing a lot of receiver early in the year before a hamstring injury sidelined him and uh and sort of cut short his season so he's uh, you know I- i'll say this he's a big big body and what i've seen from him I have questions about his footwork. If he's ever gonna, if he's ever gonna have quick enough feet to to get in and out of routes in the NFL and do that sort of thing, but you know that, if he's gonna buy himself time to do that and grow into that role, it's gonna have to be as a special teams guy. And uh, and and he certainly has the background and the build to be able to to compete in that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you get down to it, you're really talking about seven or eight solid wide receivers competing for probably what i would think is going to be maybe five spots i don't i don't foresee the titans carrying six or seven receivers i think you got you got seven or eight guys fighting for five spots and, and maybe someone like a mcmath who has the speed and has a special teams ability that he does maybe he takes one of those spots away from from someone else maybe cody hollister goes back to the practice squad Maybe Nick westbrook akeen ends up going back to the practice squad. There's a, there's a lot of competition for for those those spots behind Julio Jones, AJ Brown, and and I do think it's that's going to be probably one of the fiercest competitions to watch outside of maybe right tackle or the cornerback group. Kind of
1: going, oh, go ahead. It, it, It's going to make it's going to make the backup quarterback battle in the preseason really interesting too because you know, both Deshaun Kaiser and Logan Woodside are going to get plenty of playing time and they're going to have guys with some experience, you know, they're not, they're not going to be thrown to just a bunch of undrafted rookies when they're in the game, neither one of them, they're going to, they're going to be thrown to guys who have Mm -hmm. have played in this league or, you know, have been around this league to some degree and, and have, have made varying degrees of, of plays, so I, I, I think uh, I, I think what you'll see is is Woodside and Kaiser both have a chance to sort of show put their best foot forward, regardless of you know who plays first in which game and whatnot. I, I think I think they'll both have have receivers who, for the most part, will have advent, mat or matchup advantages it, it, when they're on the field and and. We'll be will be open and it'll be just up to the quarterbacks to to find them and, and show they're making the right reads and can make the right throws.
0: Yeah, and that kind of segues into the next topic we want to talk about is who exactly has the inside track for the backup quarterback job. Deshaun Kaiser, Logan Woodside, both of them haven't really they haven't really found their footing in the NFL. But Deshaun Kaiser, Logan Woodside's been here for a couple of years. He hasn't really done much. I mean, he hasn't really had a lot to compete with, too. Trevor Simeon and Cole McDonald didn't really put up much of a fight when he was competing with them. Cole McDonald was cut very early on after being drafted. But if you look at Deshaun Kaiser, he was Tennessee's quarantine quarterback last year. He was brought in kind of as, as the emergency guy in case something happened. He worked exclusively with quarterbacks coach Coach Pat O'Hara. Um, and I, I think that kind of I'm leaning towards Kaiser over Woodside for the fact, one, Kaiser has starting experience in the NFL. Granted, it was with the Cleveland Browns and he wasn't very good, but he does have that experience. And two, he spent most of his year working exclusively with Pat O'Hara. He has, a, I think he has a good grasp of the system, and I think he plays very similarly to the way Ryan Tannehill plays. And I think that he kind of fits the Titans' offensive system better than Logan Woodside does. And kind of looking at OTAs and minicamp, it was a very small sample size, but he did. He had a touchdown pass, I think, to Bradley Moore where he kind of squeezed in a tight window. He had another one to Mason Kinsey where he kind of floated over his shoulder in the corner of the end zone. I, I do think he, he's shown an ability to fit the ball in the tight windows, and he can also finesse some passes if he needs to. So that's why I would kind of go – I lean more towards Kaiser than one side simply because I feel like Kaiser's just a better fit. What, what do you guys think?
1: Kaiser I, – I can't get past the fact that Kaiser's 0-15 as a starting quarterback in this league. I can't get past the fact that he's a second-round pick who hasn't played in a regular season game since 2018? I, I mean, a guy like that should be should be getting his opportunities somewhere. That being said, you know, watching him in minicamp, he he has a better arm than than I expected him to have, or, or than it, it looked like having watched him on TV over you know when, in the times that he did play. I think uh, I think it 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 could be a situation where they they sort of set it up like they did last year where you have one of them on the active roster one on the uh, one on the practice squad and that one on the active roster could be woodside where you know if if you or excuse me it could be kaiser where if something happens to Tannehill, he gets you through a game but they they might like to see woodside if if it's a if it's sort of a long-term injury and uh, because they they have invested in him they they in terms of time and 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 confidence and they they still express confidence in him but uh, I, I think i think going into camp woodside is number two but he but he's gonna have to the first time much more so than was the case last year i mean he's he's going to have to he's going to have to hold on to that job and and show that uh that he really deserves to be there this year
2: and i agree i think deshaun kaiser would be a better fit for the titans overall he is a little bit more mobile of a quarterback and that could fit very well with playing in kind of any option schemes that they might want to run with derrick henry and his ability to baby Get out of the pocket and have to throw anything that he would need to to say julio jones if he would need to in the game outside of the pocket that might be a great option because he might be a little bit better and more adept at doing that than say logan woodside but i think that they should keep deshaun kaiser on the active roster and possibly like you said david keep logan woodside on like a practice squad type of role and probably just try and manipulate any situations that they can and in the preseason to find any positive outcomes with what kind of schemes might work best for Deshaun Kaiser, which might be a little bit more of a mobile situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would expect, again, like I would expect Tannehill to throw maybe 20 passes max in the three preseason games that, that in fact that might even be a big number and then you know they're, they're just gonna let these two guys they, these other two guys play it out and uh and and see who's who they're uh you know, they, they both they both have their virtues like i said i, I can't get past the fact that kaiser's own 15 as a starter but i also can't get past the fact that woodside has thrown three passes in regular season games in his career and the only one he's completed was a you know a fake punt so uh but you, you know in order to in order to get experience you have to get experience it you know at some point they're going to have to play you and I, I think back to a to a guy like billy volick who who was a third string quarterback for three years for the the titans and uh and eventually got his opportunity what was it in 2003 or so, and, and put up some put up some big numbers, and ended up hanging around the league for a for a long time. So you know you, you can see the path for a guy like Logan Woodside and how uh, how he would get there. But uh, but but he does have a much more serious challenge for that number two job right now than he did at this time a year <clears throat> ago.
0: And that's kind of the beauty of having an actual preseason this year, as opposed to last year when there was nothing. None of the younger guys had a chance to really get that that live game feel, kind of have some game tape if they were cut to go show another team, like, this is what I can do. But I do think it's going to be very important having three full games, like you said, Tannehill, maybe you will we'll have 20 pass attempts in those three games, Had to have three full games of actual competition competition between Kaiser and Woodside to kind of figure out um, who is going to be, who's going to be that guy. And I, I do think that it's something that Mike Vrabel probably, he'll never admit it, but I think it's something that he's really excited about. And I do think it'll benefit the wide receivers as well. You're looking at trying to find your number four, your number five wide receivers. It's also going to be beneficial to find out who your number two and your number three quarterbacks are. And I think kind of leading into to the next topic here is the preseason is obviously very big. So is training camp. So kind of, kind of taking all that into account, quick hits here. Who do you guys feel is, has the most to gain from training camp in the preseason and who has the most to lose from training camp in the preseason? My pick for, for the most to gain, I would say, is Dylan Radins for a lot of the reasons you mentioned earlier, David. I think the strength of his game is his run blocking ability, and that's the Titans are a run-heavy team. He kind of fits the mold of what they're looking for in that aspect, but his pass protection is, is a big question mark. He only had 200, only played on 215 passing downs at North Dakota State. Kendall Lamb graded as a better run blocker last year than, than a pass protector too. Uh, but I do think for the, for, the, for the fact that Kendall Lamb's 29, he's already going into his seventh year. He kind of, he is who he's going to be. Raidens is still younger, he's still a little bit more coachable. And I think he could possibly beat out Kendall Lamb for that job, maybe not heading into week one, but I think he could show enough to, to, that they pull the plug quickly on Lamb if he struggles going into the season. And I think the guy who can play himself out of a job would be Kendall Lamb as well. But my pick is going to be Rashawn Evans just because John Robinson declined the fifth year option on him. They already drafted Monty Rice. They have David Long Jr. They have Jayon Brown, who I think they want to bring back and sign to more than just a one-year deal. I think they have his kind of replacements lined up. Rashawn Evans had a really good 2019, but I think he's kind of played himself out of favor last year. And so I think that's who I would say he could maybe he'll be the starter heading into the season. But I think it wouldn't take much for David Long to kind of pass him up for that second inside linebacker job.
1: I, I like the guy the guy that I'm I'm going to go down the roster a little bit in terms of a guy that that really has a lot to gain. But you mentioned it sort of at the top, Michael, and we haven't gotten into it, but but the tight end group is. Uh, is really an inexperienced bunch. And, uh, you know, you've got Anthony Ferkser, you've got Jeff Swain, but uh, you lost John o. Smith, you lost Michael Pruitt. You really haven't replaced those two guys, right? So there's, you know, all four of those guys played in various roles last year. And uh, and the guy who's sort of, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about the guy out of vanderbilt jared pinkney but but the guy to me you really need to keep an eye on there is tommy hudson an undrafted free agent out of arizona state last year he, you know he's six three, two fifty five. 3 255 he, he only caught like 25 passes during his college career he's a i mean he is a he's a classic sort of end of the line run blocking tight end and in, in, you know we know what this titans offense is and uh, i mean the, the titans clearly liked him enough to keep him around all last season even though he served a, a suspension for violation of the uh, the league's performance enhancing drugs policy um he he had you know he he spent time on the covid list but uh but they, you know he, he he was around all season they brought him back this year they, they they clearly they clearly want to see something from him i mean he's a guy who could not only earn a roster spot but could be, a guy who's on the field a lot on first and second down, blocking for Derrick Henry uh, when, when when we get into the regular season. So he's he's a guy that I think uh, I, I, I you know I, I think has as big an opportunity as as anybody on this roster. And and the guy who who I think uh, could find himself in a little bit of trouble is Dane Crookshank you know who's who's going into his fourth year a guy they've they, they drafted a few years ago he's been he's been really useful as sort of that sometimes safety sometimes cornerback sometimes linebacker kind of guy missed virtually all of last season with an injury and uh and not and while he was out you know they drafted Chris Jackson in the seventh round last year Jackson is is sort of the same sort of guy he is that that crookshank is only now a little bit younger a little bit cheaper as we talked about all the cornerbacks earlier you know I don't know that Jackson figures into that rotate or into that picture in terms of competing for an every down Outside classic cornerback kind of guy, but in terms of your Swiss Army knife, a guy who can sort of move around, fill in spots. I, you know, I think that's that's what they envisioned when they drafted Jackson last year, and 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 I think it, it might be sort of a competition between Jackson and Crookshank for for one spot on the roster. And uh, and, and given given the severity of Crookshank's hamstring injury last year, I think uh, I think he's the guy who's really going to have to prove himself once again.
2: And for me, one of, my, one of the biggest uh, guys that will have a big impact for this offseason and that could have the most to gain would be Des Fitzpatrick. I think that he could probably have one of the biggest upsides for the Titans, just in the fact that he is very young. But that also means that he could have the biggest downside that, being the fact that he would have a lot of uh, inexperience and need to have a lot of coaching to do and being able to get on this roster, figure out, The schemes and be able to compete with a lot of guys like we mentioned earlier that this is a very crowded group but he could have a very outstanding offseason and find a way to make that fourth uh, wide receiver spot for them alongside AJ Brown Julio and Josh Reynolds and with that that also does mean that with those other guys still remaining on the roster that are gonna be fighting for a spot like Cameron Batson and Marcus Johnson that could mean that he could also have the biggest downside just for the fact that he's got all those guys behind him and he's going to have to compete and find a way to get onto the roster as soon as he can and make an impact as fast as possible.
0: All right, we got about three and a half minutes before Zoom kicks us off here because we're on the the time limit thing here. But real quick, I want to finish up with Delaney Walker last week made some headlines saying, Anthony Ferkser has the potential to be elite do we agree with that or do we not agree with that? David, we'll start with you.
1: I, I do not agree with it. I, I mean Anthony Furkser has earned his opportunity this year. He he's a guy who has the uh, has the trust of his quarterback. He will get favorable matchups, like no pass defense is gonna be lining up looking at the Titans saying, We gotta have our best guy on Anthony Ferkser. So he'll he'll have matchups he can win. But uh, but you know, when you're talking about elite tight ends in this league, you're talking about Travis Kelsey, you're talking about you know Kittle in San Francisco. You're talking about Zach Ertz. I, you know, I don't, I don't see Ferkser in in that group, and I don't see him having the opportunity to put up those kind of numbers.
2: And yeah, I, I'm kind of with you as well, David. I don't believe that Anthony Ferkser is of the elite category right now. He does have a lot of room to improve, but again, like we mentioned earlier, this is still a very crowded wide receiver group. You've got Derek Henry as well, so the Titans are loaded on offense already, and it's just going to be hard to try and pass the ball around. It's kind of like an NBA situation where everybody's gonna want the ball all at the same time and try and find as many scoring opportunities as possible. So I think it'll be a little bit more difficult for him to be one of the main targets for Ryan Tannehill. So I don't believe that he could be an elite receiver just for the fact that he may not get quite as much uh, attention. But I do think that he has the talent to keep the Titans afloat on offense and be a good safety net option for them every time that they get down the field. And I do think that he has proven his abilities of being a good tight end, but I don't think elite.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I kind of agree with you. I don't think he's elite. I do think he could be solid to good. He, he he only had what he dropped 1.9% of his passes. I think he's a good safety net for Ryan Tannehill, but I don't think that he's going to be elite. Um, that'll wrap it up for today. David, thank you for joining me. Austin, thank you as well. You can find him on Twitter at Beauclair Sports on Sports Illustrated. I think it's it's all Titans.com, right?
1: AllTitans.com. It's just SI.com slash NFL slash Titans.
0: There you go. You can find him there and you can find Austin and work for myself on the National Post. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. My
1: pleasure.
2: Always a great time.